0: I'm just gonna drop in to allowing people to feel into right now, how would it feel like to wake up in a world where everything that you kind of hope is maybe possible is happening, right? You wake up and you look out the window and you just feel good about being here. You feel that like sunshiny openness that you feel like the morning after something really good happens, or you fall in love, And you walk down the street and you see people and you're just stoked to see them like you're stoked to see your best friend or you don't feel anyone grabbing energetically at you and you're not either. You're just gliding, but you also feel connected. You hear people telling stories about what's going on in the world. And it's like, damn, can you believe that we cleaned up the oceans? Can you believe that like we used to talk so much about identity, but we actually dealt with it? Right, And so I can just see you now. And I don't even have to think about Mm. all that stuff that went down, although we know it's possible and we know that it it did happen. And just letting yourself breathe into that sensation of not only have I quote unquote manifested the money, the partner, the house, the life that I want, but we all co-created something that we're so proud of. We just feel so good about like, this is who we really are because that's why it's felt so awful because it's not who we are to feel so separate, right? And that we, and you can look at it and it's not just that you did it on your own, but like, wow, we did this together, right? It just feels easier to be here now. And I can't wait to see what people are creating.
1: You're listening to the Almost 30 Podcast hosted by Krista Williams and Lindsay Simsek. Thanks so much for tuning into the Almost 30 Podcast. Here we go. Almost 30 Podcast family, welcome back. Welcome to the world. Welcome to the world. And if you're (laughs) new here, we're almost 30 and we talk about transitions in life, health, wellness, spirituality, entrepreneurship, all of the things. Yeah, we wanted to create a space where you felt like you could be yourself,
2: so uh, the conversations we have are very real and honest
1: and hopefully inspiring, sometimes funny. I think more more yeah. times funny. You know what? I was, I was listening to um, Joe Rogan with uh, Snowden mm-hmm. and one of the parts where Snowden was talking about how Joe Rogan's logo is, is not necessarily on brand to the depth of content. And I felt that on a spiritual level. Absolutely. I've I thought, thought that then, since the day I saw and it. And I was like, damn, my whole life makes sense now. Like it's with Edward Snowden. It was um, episode 1368 with Joe Rogan. And I was like, oh, I feel that on a spiritual level because it is true. You do look at his logo and branding and you're like, huh. But Joe was like, I own that. Like I want to confuse people. But he's the biggest podcaster in the game, making millions really. and millions of dollars Literally. a year. So you can say that and be like, whatever, fuck off, what? <laughs> Fuck off everyone. Fuck him. I'm going to have a third eye <laughs> on my bald head picture. <laughs> yeah, because
2: you don't initially see the third eye. So you just kind of see this like, ah, Yes. And it like is
1: kind of jarring. Yeah. Um. Wait, so Edward Snowden said that? Yeah. That's hilarious. Edward's like... uh He said that a bunch of Joe's fans have been asking him to come on. And then he said, you know, when I first saw your logo a long time ago, I thought, hmm, this is interesting. And then when I listened to your content, it doesn't match the depth of your content. But Joe was like, I own that. Like, he's like, I want to confuse people. The interview you guys, if you haven't listened with Edward Snowden is very good. Mm. Is it like four hours? It's fucking just facts. I think it's three and a half. Yeah. Just like facts. Wow. Like it's just facts. And the way that I love Edward speaks to the situation as it relates to like the increase of censorship and um, government involvement in areas outside of jurisdiction, making it illegal and making it unconstitutional after 9-11. It just is very, it's very much in the vein of... No one is necessarily wrong. This just got out of hand and we really need to be aware of what's going on. People shouldn't be, the government shouldn't have access to every single bit of data and information on people when it's not necessary. It's unconstitutional. So we as Americans need to stand up for our rights to be protected, to have freedom of speech, to have all these things. And just kind of like take the take the power back from the government. And it was kind of interesting. He was talking about the shift in power after nine eleven, how it kind of shifted to back from the people together having power mm-hmm. to the government having power over us. And a lot of that happened during the transition to um with technology. Mm-hmm. You know, with that technology you can have more power over people because they don't know a lot of what's going on. But it's a badass interview. It's an interesting to think about nine eleven
2: as a, a point, like after which we felt so, and maybe just what I felt was like, we felt vulnerable as a country yeah. and scared. And so it's almost like the government like went into this role of like, let me protect you. And that's why, like, yeah. it's like more power that way. Yeah, they wanted to protect against terrorism. Right, but it's like a guise over which like maybe a lot of other like crazy control was mm-hmm. happening, but it's like, no, we're like protecting you. This is a very vulnerable time, da, da, da. da.
1: Exactly, and then it just- And then when they didn't find any terrorists that way, it just continued and it and it escalated and it became, you know, surveillance in very harmful ways. So it's just fascinating. I mean, and there's a lot happening right now in the government with Facebook too. So, you know, just thinking about the privacy and sovereignty of people and our data and government and these big tech corporations is just an interesting conversation to watch. It's a good one. Who's regulating? Who's regulating? And Snowden is like a good ass speaker he's really? so
2: i can't wait to listen he's
1: so crisp it is like Ooh. you are you understand every every single thing he's saying you're understanding it's really and it's and it's very eloquent it's beautiful wow it is crazy dude joe joe is just doing the lord's work <laughs> Literally, he's he's doing wonder, the Lord's work. I wonder what the security's like there. I was actually wondering that. I'm like, what the kind skills. of... Because I think it Well, Edward Snowden has a book out. So I think his publisher reached out to Joe and asked to be on. Because Edward actually is interviewed on a good amount of podcasts. Okay. But he's having a lot of issues getting the book printed. But be, because... the So the government's trying to sue him for a lot of different reasons to prohibit or cause so much financial damage that it doesn't go to press or that it has a hard time, but they can't necessarily ban it from being pressed because that's our first amendment mm-hmm. freedom of speech. So it's just very interesting. You know what he was like talking about. Wow. And then Joe's interview with Bernie Sanders was like so good. Like Lord's work. And then Joe just goes home at night and he honestly, it's, like eats- eats some meat, plays with his dog. Honestly. honestly. (laughs) And he plans his next hunting extravaganza. And he's like, hey, Jamie, pull up that video of that guy that walks across the street and he looks at the deer. And then the deer, you know, it's like these crazy videos. Like Joe goes from like being an amazing investigative reporter to like a total dad. Like total dad moments where he takes like his guests on these weird like journeys and it's like they're like what are we doing like why are we watching this video of this guy in this tree watching this buck hunting them <laughs> with an arrow for 4 hours like it's just so freaking wild
2: nothing is more dad than joe rogan's instagram oh my God. with his dog when he does the selfies Nothing is more dead. That is the damn truth.
1: It's literally like just. That is the damn truth. He's like, haha, ha, I'm a zillionaire. Haha, uh, ha. <laughs> holy God, holy pants. Was just telling Lindsay, I'm. I've been drinking coffee the past week. I'm crusty. I'm dry as a raisin. I'm like a crusty girl. My skin is flaking off, and I cannot. My voice sounds bad. I'm like, I can't be doing this.
2: Have you been drinking less water? Same.
1: S- like everything's same except just maybe, adding coffee. Maybe less. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe less. Just an espresso shot. she like a latte. So not coffee, but oh, okay. But mm. yeah, maybe less water. I don't know. I just feel free- my skin. It hurts right now. It's so dry. Yeah.
2: I also think too, I mean, I definitely think it's the coffee that dehydrates me as well. I also think I think the air is like kind of dry right now. Like there's been fires. Yeah, There was a brush fire in the Palisades. Uh, I don't know. I felt it this morning when I was outside. I was like, oh, something like.
1: Yeah. You're like. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm like, (laughs) wow. I'm trying to do my, I'm trying to do my damn podcast that I do all the time. And I, my voice sounds like shit. I don't know if anyone's here. I don't know if you guys would hear it, but I don't, don't, I'm not as, it's more of a feeling too. I'm not as buttery as I am usually. It's it's more of a feeling too. Like you know, the feeling. I just feel annoying.
2: Speaking of that sound that you just made, I just had like a—I don't even know. I was doing the stairs in Santa Monica, and there was this guy who like was covered mm-hmm. in zinc oxide and had like all the things, and it was like it was it was like he was um, a robot, like an astronaut, like
1: walking, like he's like it was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> That's like when someone's on life support. Uh, not funny next. Not funny. <laughs> not funny. not next. funny. Anyways, so this week, so I was on the phone the other day when the team was over here for like an hour with the police. So I got a we letter. Have weekly calls with the police. Yeah, weekly calls with the police. <laughs> they're they're just trying to keep up to date. And I think I got a letter maybe a month ago, and it was like, people versus this person. You have been identified as a victim of a. Loss of property case, da, 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 da. Here's where you need to send your receipts, proof of information, etc. And I was like, oh, cool. Like this is for the person that got arrested for stealing all those packages from me for months and months. Right. So I'm like, all right, got it, cool. Cause I knew they arrested that person. So I'm like, all right. I have to get all this information over to them by this date because that person appears in court. So I need to get all the receipts for all the inf- things that were lost or that were stolen during this time. So I'm like, all right, I have until this day to do that. So I'm on the phone with them yesterday and I'm like, all right, so I got to get all these receipts together. Da da They're like, yeah, please get it to us by end of day because tomorrow they appear in court. And so I spent maybe 30 40 30 to 45 minutes getting tons of receipts together and this was actually in march and the beginning of april when it was it was probably happening for two months where i would just have tons of packages stolen and most of the time it was like half was stolen or whatever they want would be stolen and then it'd be put back some stuff would be put back i don't know and it was actually before coachella so, so I'm putting together these receipts, and it's like, it's like gold body chain thong one set. It's like mesh top alien sheer dress. Like these, like it's like round circle frame glasses. Star booties. Like all this, like glitter glitter tankini. Like all these, like wild wild things. And I send over probably five, probably. was probably stolen, maybe more because I actually had a bunch of um, PR packages stolen. So I sent over all these emails to this lady, Mina, who works at the government of this ridiculous clothes, like this trash clothes from like nasty gal. And like, (laughs) like the last time I ever did fast fashion shopping probably. And I sent over it her way and like she just replied and she's like, this isn't the right case, ma'am. And I'm like, what the hell? I'm like, so I called her. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like, this is for all the stuff that was stolen from my apartment. And she's like looking through. She's like, no, it's not. She's like, this is for the hit and run. (laughs) Oh my god! so I literally took 45 minutes of my time to go to forever 21.com all these trash sites for all this trash clothes that I got and then these like facial oils that I got sent to me and just this ridiculous stuff and she's like no this is for when the woman hit and ran your car son earlier son of a bitch I know I was like oh fuck
2: so like, what was oops. the receipt you needed to send just so like I needed the- to find
1: all the paperwork for when this woman oh. did a hit and run on my car earlier this year but it was weird because they put the name of the woman on the thing, so it's people versus oh wow. lady's name, which is I guess it's public record, and so I actually googled her and looked up who she was, and I saw you it's actually this is the thing about the internet that's crazy back to Snowden is that I found her address was linked and listed. And it showed where she worked because it was on LinkedIn. So it was a picture of her. And I actually got a glimpse of her when she hit me and then drove off. So I knew who it was. So now I know what her face is, who she is and where she lives. She lives very close to me. How fucking weird. Freaky. I'm like, dude, I don't, this is is the whole thing. I don't know who I was talking to the other day about this. Oh, that podcast. And we were talking about how they can play people's 911 calls because it's public record. Hi, I don't, think that people should be able to play people's most horrifying and horrific moments that happen when they call public 911 again. Yeah. I, I really don't need to be hearing that. Yeah. And just like this, like, you know, peace and blessings. Thanks for doing your part to help rectify this case and get me my money back for the hit and run. But I don't really need to know her name and I shouldn't be able to find where she lives and where she works. Yeah. Cause what Cause if what you if, were a crazy person? What if I was a crazy person? I really don't even, you know, in this case, it's like, I I don't, I don't care. You know, I, I want justice to be done, but I'm not going to overexert myself to, to do anything because she's already in court. It's bad enough already. So I'm just like, what, that is not right that you can find out that information because someone could just go to her house and be like, hi, or her job. Or just like bash in her car. Exactly. Like something exactly, crazy. Something crazy. Wow. I know. But She'll tell her to like. Now, Mina has info. all my receipts for all my trash clothes. <laughs> <laughs> She's, She's like, like, cute. Literally, I sent her like seven. She's like, what are these? Like, oh. I'm looking for an insurance copy. <laughs> that is
2: amazing. Actually, we should we should post those.
1: I actually should also she so should join post. the group, and you guys can see all the trash just that for I, that I got Coachella stolen from me. Inspo. I'm interested if this woman, you know, was able to live her best life in in all those in threes. my gear. And you don't. Know, she was. Like, like she was arrested. She was arrested. So I, she wasn't arrested, but she was set to appear in court. So she actually had two two other cases against her. And the woman told me this at the police station for DUI and then another hit and run. So I think uh, what had happened was is that this woman had got a DUI and she got really scared with the DUI and the hit and yeah. run, and then when she hit me again, she or when she hit me, she got was scared and
2: ran. Damn. But the one who stole your clothes got arrested.
1: Yeah. The, so sorry, the one who stole my clothes did get arrested. Yes, but I haven't heard anything about uh, what they're going to do about that situation. Yeah, this is quite a theme for you. <laughs> I know it's actually happened a lot in my life where I have this kind of like this kind of riff raff around me, like with the stalker, and yeah. I, I kind of, I kind of have riff raff in my field a lot. So, well, now you know how to like talk to the police. Yeah, like that would intimidate me.
2: Like, to oh yeah, have conversations. So now you have that. Well, the thing, yeah, and the bow. thing about it, yeah,
1: yeah, whatever. Peace and love. Riff raff, taking a bath. Okay, riff raff, taking a bath. Cool. Cruising with my cabbage patch kids.
2: <laughs> um, I was I was on the phone earlier with my my best friend Maddie. He is in New York, and he recently hurt his thumb really really bad, and he was holding a vase and it broke in his hand. And you kind of don't, you don't think about like, I don't normally think of the worst case scenario. He does. And in this case it served him. Wow! So I'm like, I kind of, I just want to like spotlight this because I'm not one to be my own advocate in a doctor's office. Actually, maybe I am now. I just haven't been in a doctor's office in a while. But to really think like, hmm, the way they said that or did that was a little this way or that way. Should I get a second opinion? Or so he initially like had this cut in his thumb is really bad, went and had it like sewn up and then like, it wasn't feeling right. He couldn't really feel his thumb and he's like, "Um, something's wrong. Like I probably would have let it chill. I probably would have been like, well- This is just how it is or how it heals. It would be like green. I'd be like, hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So um, he like went back, you know, to the doctor and they're like, oh my God, we need to do emergency surgery. Like if we don't do it ASAP, like you the nerves won't be able to repair, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, he had surgery the other day and he's all right. It hasn't been like the easiest, but I just thought it was so interesting. Like all the questions he asked, like, and I'm sure like he was, you know, giving the doctor a time, but like you should, you know, they're there to answer the questions. They're there to be the expert. They're there to, to calm your nerves and like make you feel really good. So anyone out there going into doctors office offices or having
1: treatments whatever just like be your
2: own advocate yeah.
1: i don't know if they're there to to calm your nerves or like for you particularly meaning with information yeah but yeah. they but you you should like, the permission for you to ask as many questions as yes. you need until you feel good is it should be there
2: cuz I, I can imagine there are some personalities out there in the medical field that would be like I know, like I know what I'm doing. Yeah. Like, don't ask those. You know, just so, like any field. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that just reminded me. My mom. That's really beautiful. I mean, yeah, he's like still recovering, and it it is what it is. And I don't. I told him I was like, I was like, take some deep breaths today. I was like, your body. You know, I like went into my meditation voice. I was like, your body is healing. <laughs> your body feels. Your energy, your body. It's like is Lindsay, listening. I'm driving. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I know, but I'm like, that is energy. <laughs> I saw that with my mom too when she was sick, like at getting second opinions, asking questions. Cause like I yeah, I just I, I hadn't thought about that in a while because I'm really lucky I've been healthy as of late. So you don't really think about those situations where you could feel so vulnerable medically.
1: So. I know. And I don't have like a medical team. Neither Me either. <laughs> I don't know anyone. Me either. So I would be like, okay, I guess I trust you. You know, getting second opinions is important. and. Yeah. Just listening and learning, learning from your body, and being present enough to feel good about asking those questions is mm-hmm. very important. I'm thinking about
2: finding a naturopathic
1: doctor. Oh yeah, if I, if I got a good one from V's Honey actually,
2: mm-hmm. and Tiff has one too.
1: Actually, cool. but yeah,
2: yeah.
1: Anyway, that's us. Anywho, that's us. <laughs> Medical doctors checking in. We are. Oh not man, doctors. this episode so. This episode actually uh, gave me fueled me in a, a huge way, and this has been. My favorite, one of my favorite new relationships of 2020. Oops, 2019. Hello. (laughs) Welcome. For real, you guys, this one is so good. Share it with all your friends. I am so excited.
2: Aaron Rose is incredible. He's actually our coach. We hired Aaron during this time when we really, we really felt like we wanted to go deeper, further expand our knowledge around just being conscious leaders, you know, and it's really important for us to be doing the work as we serve you. So he's just, he's from, he's from another planet.
1: Yeah, truly. (laughs) We're going to have him back on to talk a lot about aliens, Mm -hmm. uh, aliens and all the spiritual stuff. But um, as a transformational coach for new paradigm leaders, influencers, and change makers, this conversation really talked a lot about what that means on a very grounded level, we talked about Aaron's journey, actually from growing up in a very strict household that was very religious, um, where he could find his way to be true to who he was. And yeah. Yeah, it was just a really,
2: be- he he channels yeah. when he speaks, you know, he's not channeling, you know, light beings or anything else per se, but the way in which the information comes through, I mean, maybe he is, it was just, I was like, I was high yeah, same. to him. It same. was really, really, really fun. So we hope you feel that when you listen. And again, share with, with people you love. It means a lot to us. And if you're called to write a review review on Apple Podcasts, please do.
1: Please do. It mean the world. Almost30podcast.com slash tour to find our tour dates for the rest of the year. Almost 30 Podcast on Instagram. And we love you very much. Very much. Enjoy. I just
2: did a update and an overhaul to my supplements and y'all, I got a big fat box of Symbiotica, and I am just so excited. They're a health and wellness company that does everything with intention. All of their formulas are backed by science and their supplements only contain clean plant-based ingredients without toxins or harmful chemicals. This is so important. The supplement industry has gotten to be a little wacky and wild out there. And so you have to trust... The brands that you invest in, we have been working with Symbiotica for a few years now, and for good reason. Ah, uh, I am obsessed with their quality. I am obsessed with their delivery systems. I'll talk about that in a second, um, and I just love their diverse range of different supplements uh, that they offer. So it's cold and flu season over here. So I'm trying to keep my immunity in tip top shape. I've been taking symbioticas liposomal vitamin C. I have the packets that I take every single day and this formula uses liposomal delivery. So the body does really like loves a liposomal delivery it absorbs the nutrients and uh, allows the body to reap all of the benefits since it has biotin the vitamin c one of nature's most beautifying ingredients it's also improved other areas like my skin hair and nail growth which has been awesome I also take the magnesium L-threonate. This is an innovative form of magnesium that is able to cross the blood-brain barrier. It supports brain health, mood, immune system function, and overall well-being by increasing brain levels of magnesium. Super yummy too, it has like a vanilla cream flavor. Sometimes I'll put it on like yogurt and like something yummy like that. Um, But again, this liposomal delivery system makes it easy to carry around with you, easy to take at any moment. and I'm just absolutely obsessed. If you want to give them a try, there's no better time than right now, baby. You can go to symbiotica.com and use the code ALMOST30. You're going to get 20% off site-wide, which is a pretty amazing discount. Symbiotica.com, dot com, and use the code ALMOST30 for 20% off site-wide. Okay. My body care routine is next freaking level. I want to walk you through it. And it is all thanks to Osea. You know them, you love them, maybe you don't. I'm going to introduce you to them, but we've been loving Osea for years. They've been making seaweed infused products that are safe for your skin and the planet for over 27 years. They make just incredible, clean, vegan, cruelty free products for your body and face. Honestly, I have never seen my skin glow so freaking hard and I get compliments on it all the time, even in winter, okay? The winter can be drying. My skin can get so rough traditionally, but not anymore. I have been using the Andaria Body Best Sellers. This is a duo. It is the Andaria Algae Body Oil and the Andaria Algae Body Butter. I've also been incorporating uh A body brush, which exfoliates your body. You can also get on ocmalibu.com. But the Andaria Algae Body Oil, y'all, it is just so luxurious. So I shower. Okay, get this. I shower, I exfoliate all the things. I use the dry brush and then I get out and I put on the body oil. It is so moisturizing without being sticky and gross. Some oils just like leave your skin yucky, but this is a rush of antioxidant rich hydration that immediately softens your skin, nourishes and firms like no other. You are going to be like, what? Are those my legs? Huh? It visibly improves sagging skin for a toned and sculpted look. It's never greasy. I'm obsessed. And then before I go to bed, I'm going to put on the Endaria Algae Body Butter. This body butter is anti-aging. It is firming. It moisturizes. This is for all skin types. It is so yummy. It honestly smells unbelievable. Um, and it has uh, ceramides in it that melt into the skin. It is ultra hydrating. You're going to have hydrated skin for like 72 hours. It's unbelievable. So those are my go-tos. But Osea has incredible face, body uh, products. They have sets so you can like build your routine. I am obsessed. And of course, for our listeners, we have a discount. And right now it's special just for you. Get 10% off your first order site. Why? With code almost30podcast at com. that's O-S-E-A malibu.com and use the code almost three zero podcast for 10% off when you're vibing so high do you ever feel like bad to vibe so high around people like almost oh. like a shame around like feeling good yeah <laughs>
0: I feel like I'm less of a point of attraction for people who would make me doubt it on like that core level of like, I'm harming you by being in my own vibration, but I definitely have to have compassion. Like I was, I saw a friend who I hadn't seen in months in New York and within about five minutes of us hanging out, she was like, I'm feeling a little
3: lightheaded
0: because no <laughs> I could just tell that I came in and just hit her like that Yeah, wow. Um, and to have compassion, not take it personally. And yeah, um, but yeah, but everyone said it's more, I used to feel guilty. And now it's more like I watched them going through that story of like, Aaron's a lot right now. I actually, like I had an interaction with someone the other day who was like, you're really intense. And I was like, wow, interesting. (laughs) What did you like, you know, what makes you say that as opposed to being like, oh my God, I'm really intense. Ah." It's like, you must be this high to ride. And like, if not, the universe will just not bring us together.
1: I think people think people are intense when they make eye contact. Yeah. If you're like a human who's making eye contact longer than... 30 seconds, people are like, that's pretty intense. (laughs) We're so, we don't connect with people now. You know, so if someone's like actually connecting with an eye contact, it's like, wow, that's really intense.
0: Or even just like being energetically present, like not trying to leave the situation mentally as much. That's
2: what's been interesting on tour too. And so cool is that I think we feel so good you know, being with our audience that when we are with them one-on-one, it is the eye contact and we are so present. They almost expect us to like not be that way. So they get freaked out. You can yeah, literally like, physically cool, nice, see them. Great, and like, yeah. they're
0: kind of like- They're like,
2: yeah. oh no, no. And we're like, it's, it's almost like we have to do something without making them feel shame around it to just like tell them it's okay. And we want to be here with them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's not saying that we're like these big I stars, but like, do you know what I'm saying? It's just- people don't expect that from someone they've never met to give them that time and that presence and that connection. And it feels, it always feels so good, but I do think there's like a learning curve.
1: It's like whatever someone's on a stage, people don't expect that. You know, whatever the stage is, if someone's on a stage. Mm-hmm. Like if ever I have a photo shoot in public, people are always like, "Wow." And it's like literally for nothing. You know, like it's literally the cheapest photo shoot ever. People are like, "Wow, photos are being taken." Um, but I was also thinking with being sober and not drinking, I I don't drink as well, and that was something I really noticed when I stopped drinking was like my presence around people that were it was almost it freaked people out because it's like it becomes very intense when you're kind of leaving your body in those moments where you're drinking and then it seems comparative to someone being fully present it's like hard to take that it's kind of scary
0: totally totally it 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 feels it it confronts that part of me that I confronted when I stopped drinking, which was that part of me that was always kind of trying to leave a situation, assuming that I wasn't fully accepted in a situation. And, um, yeah, also that energy of when our, when is our nervous system had the experience of presence? Sometimes it's like presence, but like the bad, it's like someone Mm. very focused on you in a way that hasn't, really been honoring of your autonomy. And so I think that there's a way that sometimes people feel that like, who you're really present, like what's the catch?
2: You wow. Know? I've never thought about it that way. Wow. Have you had, have you had that <laughs> like, like kind of like- Join a- my MLM. <laughs> 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 <Yeah>. <laughs> but like, have He's you, kidding. have you had that focus, like that kind of intense, almost negative focus experience mm. in that way? What you just
0: described? I would say that I have definitely had that in situations that were like classical, like consent violation situations where like in dating situations and, and also in with certain people in my family growing up. And it was sort of like even the energy of being in a very chaotic house, but then it's like, when is someone really focusing on you? If you're yeah. in a chaotic environment, they're like, don't do you And it's when you're wow. getting negative feedback. Um, and so I think that our our nervous systems, especially if, you've, if you're if you running that program of like, I don't deserve to be loved and I don't deserve people's time. Even if it's like, I don't deserve like a full deep breath with almost 30. <sighs>
1: we all deserve. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. So it just feels foreign.
1: That's interesting actually. It makes me think about my upbringing in a chaotic household. And I actually, I didn't have full attention in a positive way, Mm. you know? So thinking about my life now where I don't like that positive, you know, I like it, but I don't, I don't in a lot of ways, it kind of, it doesn't freak me out. I just am like, I don't know, I'm dismissive of it. You know what I mean? And so that's like an intro, I've actually never thought about it in that way Mm. that I'm not as actually comfortable with like someone being fully present with me and being very um, communicative about positive things or like joy. You know,
0: Yeah. It's like, cool. I got my minimum minimum effective dose of that and moving on, or it's just like, I saw almost like that imagery of receptors, like neurotransmitters in the brain. It's like that the channel for that is limited.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
2: Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yes. So I would love to, I would love to kind of introduce you to our audience. We had the honor of meeting you at a really special uh, diversity and wellness dinner that we attended not too long ago. And we met so many incredible people and and especially just connected with you and the work that you're doing in the world. And it really came at a, it's always divine timing. So we were surprised and we're not surprised at the same time uh, where we were very much in the work of exploring how we, as our business grows, as our impact grows, um, how we could continue to do the work of being better allies, of creating a safe, inclusive space, not only for the people that work for us, but for our community and beyond. So, you know, your work is that and so much more, but I would kind of love to to go back, you know, your story is one that I've only heard parts of through that dinner alone. So I've really been looking forward to, to talking to you more in depth today about your story. So yeah, wherever it feels good and, and natural to start.
0: Amazing. Yeah. It's so good to be here. Um, and to, to just be in inside the energy that I have, witnessed you you creating um, to be in a little almost 30 portal here. Um, In terms of where it all began, I mean, there's obviously so many ways to answer that question on many multidimensional levels, but really I consider myself a person who came into the world really asking the question of like, why can't we get along? And there was this deep, feeling of contrast in my life where I had this and you're looking at me and I've got this like perma smile and like brightness in my energy and had that energy even as a kid where I was so just like lit up by the world and I'm seeing like the trees outside the window here and just lit up by nature and like the stars and wow and so hopeful but at the same time experiencing a lot of We could call it violence, abuse, you know, we could talk about what the other people did, but we could also just say that I had the experience of feeling really separate. I had the experience feeling really out of control. I had the experience of feeling really harmed by early, early experiences in my life and, and looking around being raised in a really Catholic environment and going to church. And I just picture being so small and looking up at the church ceiling and hearing these songs that were being sung and actually already at three years old, having the instinct to sing my own songs to sing things like twinkle, twinkle little star and like (laughs) almost to kind of counter the vibration and, and having this sense of we're talking about love here, but it doesn't feel like it. Right. And that contrast between what people say and what they do and just feeling so much like love was all I was here for. And like it was the only thing that was truly out of reach in my life and the, the quest of finding out how to create that sense of belonging and authenticity within myself um, was also mirrored out, out in the world. So it's like my personal journey and my, my work has always kind of run parallel and, and intertwining with each other in the same way that some people are like, I'm going to cure cancer or I'm going to be a rock star. I was like this whole world peace thing. Like let's, let's see if we can figure this out.
3: Wow.
1: Yeah, that wouldn't be an inspiration from the church, The church, I felt like. Um, I grew up Catholic as well. Where, where, where'd you grow up?
0: I grew up um, partially in New York City. Mm-hmm. That was the first decade of my life. And mm-hmm. then in suburban Massachusetts. So oh, wow. quite a lot of contrast. Like I grew up, you know, in the 90s in New York, that sort of like pre-Giuliani experience. Wow. And then was all of a sudden in a much more like earthy, crunchy situation in Massachusetts.
1: Wow. And did you feel support by your family? If you were in a Catholic church- I guess what was that experience for you to be someone that's like a nature lover, feeling vibrations, not seeing the church as the love in your eyes? Did you feel supported by your family as like a foundation to express who you were?
0: The short answer is no. Um, I really, I, 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 I sent, I know on a soul level that I came into my family to kind of tackle all of this stuff, all of this, this lack of self-expression. And so when I'm able to look back, I'm able to see like, wow, what was the spectrum of self-expression that was allowed of my parents? Not even like full, like, you know, capital letter identity words, but even like just letting an emotion out wanting to read a certain book, (laughs) just having volition within a collective context, individual volition within a collective context. Um, And so, you know, there are certain things I could point to in my experience being LGBTQ in in a variety of ways that were those sort of more like cinematic moments of feeling rejected from my family. But it was also just an environment where self-expression of any kind, it was really, really hard to come by. Um, And I, when I, when I think about the Catholic church, I, I see it as a structure that really separates self from self, right. That really is about Mm. that kind of like abdication of individual expression and an abdication of almost like embodiment of like the legitimacy of emotions. Um, And so that was definitely the, the energy that I grew up in and And it was really the crux of a lot of the conflict with my parents. You know, there were a lot of tearful conversations of like, "I don't want to go. I don't want to go to church because of X, Y, and Z." And I would come with, you know, my latest reasons and, you know, my latest little. You know, (laughs) I I started a family newspaper when I was like ten years old. I have three younger sisters, all born within five years. Wow. I started a, mm. a family newspaper basically so that I could like write editorials about how I should be able to like watch certain T V and not get to church. <laughs> I'm and... <obsessed> with that. <laughs> oh my God.
2: Oh. I pray for a little Aaron Rose. That is so fun. Oh. Yeah, we're just like that sending so
0: some love to that timeline.
1: Oh. When I mean, did your parent did your whole family get the newspaper?
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, that's... It, it, how would
1: you point, publish it? I, yeah. I
0: don't know. I feel like <laughs> printed <it out. laughs> yeah, I... Printed it out. Yeah, printed I'm it, it out. I'm picturing like a, a typewriter. I was always trying to figure out, I was like, well, how do I crack the code if I tell it to them this way? Will mm. they get how awful I feel? And we were required to go to church. It was like, you know, you don't get any quote unquote privileges or if you don't show up to church every single Sunday and and be, and, and also serve the church. Like I had to either be like an altar server or or things like that. And so I felt just so trapped Mm. because it just felt so logical to me that I should be able to self-determine. And that wasn't the case.
2: What did those early experiences of violence and discrimination look like? And how did you process or not process that, trauma like what did that look and feel like because I know you're not alone and I I know a lot of people are going to you know feel very connected in you describing this but I'm just curious like what that felt like at a young age Mm.
0: so it really hit the whole spectrum of different ways that that people can be mistreated and and violated and it was how do I want to say this? Because it's, for me, it's always about sinking into the energy of it, right? Mm -hmm. Not just saying like, this happened to me and this person did this. I noticed that your your
1: verbiage was like that. I think that was interesting related to the languaging to, this is my experience, not this person did something to me.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it's true, right? This person hit me, this person hurt me, this person silenced my voice. Um, And just these early experiences of, you know, what we might call being abused in a variety of ways and, and then voicing it and then saying, we're not going to talk about that. Like literally hearing things like that's something we're going to have to learn to forget. Right. And um, that just never making sense to me. And then by the time I was a teenager and starting to express and begin my journey through all of the letters of the LGBTQ acronym, <laughs> um, it started to look like, yeah, my family just saying to me, we don't recognize you anymore. We don't even know who you are, right? and. And having these these really painful conversations where I was just, I was always trying to explain myself. I was like, yeah. okay, if I can just map it this way. So I see almost like a sentence, you know, when you had to diagram sentences, I don't know, I was a nerd who liked to do that. But- Loved like, diagramming. Amazing. I just got a little like dopamine hit thinking about that. <laughs> uh, it was like, how do I make myself legible to you? Right? And it was this, and, and, and part of it too was like, F you, You need to understand that it's okay for me to be me, for me to if that it's okay for me to be LGBTQ, that it's okay for me to wanna do these different things with my life. And and then also at the same time being when you're in that conversation, you're accepting the legitimacy of the conversation. You're saying, My worth is up for debate, my self-determination is up for debate, and I'm gonna keep trying to prove it. And so there was a part of me that was still like, "Damn, what do I have to do to be loved?" Right? Like, how do I change myself? Like, I'm so good. Like, I'm an A plus student, and I'm the athlete, and I'm doing all these things. But it's, but I just it doesn't seem like it's enough, right? And if we were to roll the tape back, there were moments of deep connection with my family. But it's like, what was that energy underneath it? It was we haven't fully loved and accepted ourselves. So that was just the whole container I was swimming in. Um, and it's only when I started to be able to see that and say, "Whoa." there was nothing I could say that would have shifted it Mm -hmm. because that level of self-acceptance wasn't present in the people that I was trying to convince to accept me. Right. And even when I did come out as LGBTQ, some of the feedback I got was a little bit of like the energy underneath. It was like, why do you get to do that? Right. Why do you get to be so nuanced? Um, And again, you know, if you know, my, my, my guardians and, and my parents and my people in my family, if they were to listen to this, right, there might be a, a feeling of like, no, but we did like, we really wanted to accept you, but it was just uh it was just the energy underneath. It's the healing process that we're all going through. And so that was, that was the, that was the key out was starting to say, I can still be really angry and like really freaking angry and really sad and really that's, I still carry some of that within me, but I understand why it happened and it's been the medicine of my life and the fuel of my work. So we're going to high five in the afterlife if not right now. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> One of my favorite quotes is from Jonathan Sanford he wrote eating animals, which yep. is the book that made me turn vegan. And he says, you can wake someone who is sleeping, but you cannot wake someone who is laying down with their eyes closed because they're just faking it. So it's like when someone knows something, but they're refusing to know, you know what i mean
3: mm-hmm.
1: um which in that book relates to like being plant based like people people understand but the actions don't really align with that but i was thinking about that when you were talking and and i related that to that sentiment so as you were um i have a, a lot of notes for questions that i'm going to ask a little bit later but as you're navigating this journey what was the first experience in your like lgbtq journey like was there a moment or something where you're like oh i'm I'm different. Like I feel different. i this is a different experience than everyone else is having. What was what was that like?
0: Mm, beautiful question. And that that quote that you just recited just gave me full body chills, right? Because it's so it's so energetically evocative of that of that like, no, 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 no. Yes. I don't want to mm, accept it. Yep. And and how we end up in that physiologically closed down state too. Um, and that book also played a big a big role in my uh, plant based <laughs> journey. Such a good one. It's yeah.
3: It's
1: savage. It is. <laughs> it is. No, it does not hold back. <laughs> People are like, "What's the book?" I'm like, "Well, if you want to know."
0: It's this pretty green cover and let your it's experience intense. be your guide. <laughs> hmm. Um. That first experience. So yeah, my my journey being LGBTQ, I understand it on a soul level. Is that I came here to have a very nuanced human experience, right? And I came here to go through a lot of experiences that would then lead me to a very integrated state, right? Where a lot of people could feel like they related to me and I could actually relate to a lot of people having been someone who was, so the the external nitty gritty is that I was female assigned at birth um, and lived my childhood as someone that people saw as a girl, Um, and ultimately stepped into my identity as a man and and went through that process of identifying as trans. And at the same time, so that's the gender piece. And a a simple way of talking about it is just to say that sexuality is who you go to bed with, gender is who you go to bed as, right? So that sense of I am versus who you're relating to. And so as a child, I definitely, I, I was like, totally one of those 90s tomboys like i like all of those like long hair girls with the backwards hats in those 90s movies like the sandlot like that was my archetype but i really identified with all of the the nine, the floppy-haired '90s boys, like Leonardo DiCaprio and all, and River yes. Phoenix, and I was like, "Floppy-haired so '90s socially. boys, yeah. that's wow.
1: amazing." That casual identification—you're like, I identify with like Leo. <laughs> That'd
2: <laughs> hard. Okay, yeah, <laughs> A little
0: blast for the past. Yeah, I, I see like the montages of all of the.
1: Devin Sawat, what's T D oh, Gilbert' Grape. Oh, yeah, Devin yeah. Sawat and Casper. Who was in Casper? That was Devin Sawat. Yeah. Devin Sawa. Mm-hmm. man, that was like. And now I've, I saw. I watched that movie recently. I'm like, he's ten. <laughs> honestly I was like yo he's 10 years old
0: <laughs> that's so funny and yeah for me even Aaron Carter who was like the younger brother yeah. of the Backstreet wow. Boy Nick Carter who was like 11 when he had a he's company, having his a, an interesting
1: fame. moment too yeah which I really
0: yeah that's like a whole other thread of conversation yeah. it's like the spiritual awakening of so many different public figures and the healing journeys they're all going on. Um, But I really identified with those boys and it was socially acceptable because people could just be like, Oh, this like girl has a crush on this boy, but there was something in me that was like, "Mm." it's like that energetic resonance with the embodiment of the mask, the masculine container, but a lot of playfulness, a lot of femininity within it. And, you know, my, my sexuality trajectory was I dated boys. Then I fell in love with my best friend who was a girl. And I was like, damn, I guess yeah, I have to tell everybody that I'm gay now because like, I think we're going to be in love forever. And it was that first love. And you know, the, like this is the, it. the five hour <laughs> phone conversations about Tony Morrison books. Oh <laughs> man. those five hour phone conversations. You'd be
1: like sitting there sometimes. You're like, you're you're like, doing, I know. Honestly. You're like, Hello? <laughs> it was so like fucked up in, in a codependent way. you're yes. we like, Oh, hold on. I have to brush my teeth. <laughs> You know what I mean? And you'd like like go brush your teeth. Yeah, not even even a mute bun. Like and your parents would be like, What are you doing? You're like,
0: Nothing (laughs) love, don't worry about it. You'll never understand. Um, So that was like my first coming out process was like, I'm in love with this girl Mm. who's my best friend Um, and having that relationship and then having several serious relationships with women, but then stepping into my twenties and starting to just feel my embodiment shift, feeling like I've never really claimed this she thing or this woman thing, even though I've tried to. And then it was just, it was an organic evolution where I started to kind of let go of the binary and started to say, okay, maybe I'm in between. And then, just as I matured, as I came into myself, I was like, okay, I guess Aaron Rose is this man for the rest of my life, right? I guess that's that's the identity that feels most resonant. And a lot of people have that sense of like, I, I see this and this is who I am and I'm born in the wrong body and I'm messed up and I have to change and all of that fear. And for me, there was a little bit of that, but it was mostly like, it's like when you're hungry after a hike and you're just like you just, it's very clear that your body needs something. Right. And it was clear that I was just mm-hmm. meant to start the process. And I, and, you know, in terms of even just, you know, hormones, I was like, every shot's a choice. Let's just take this next right action after next right action. And then as the, as I was doing that and continuing, continuing my sort of spiritual awakening process, I was just one day I was like, damn, there I am. Right. And those eyes were the same eyes that I had when I was like six, you know, Mm -hmm. when I was just being myself as a kid. And so it's been a wild journey. And throughout that, I really, I dated everybody. So it's like, I've really, I've, I've traversed the full spectrum.
2: Yeah. Which (laughs) one's your favorite? (laughs) Okay, so I recently got my shipment, my monthly shipment of my Symbiotica products. Two of those products, I take every single freaking day, the vitamin D3K2, liposomal delivery, I just squirt, squirt in my mouth, uh, 12 pumps every single day, and the uh, B6B12. These two not only taste great, but I have noticed that during this season, we're still in the winter months, I have, knock, knock on wood, not been sick. Um, So keeping my immunity up during this hectic season is a must. So um, not only have I been taking those two, but I've also been taking the liposomal vitamin C. This particular formula uses liposomal delivery, so my body can actually absorb the nutrients and allows my body to reap all the benefits. Um, It has biotin, one of nature's most beautifying ingredients too. So, you know. Immunity, amazing, yes. And also hair, skin, and nails benefit too. Um, in addition, I am also carrying with me all the time the magnesium L3 inate. These come in little packs and they are so freaking yummy. It's like a vanilla cream flavor. Sometimes I will put this on dessert. Yes, I do. If you don't know about Symbiotica, we've been working with them for a couple years now. Shereveen, uh, one of the founders, has been on the podcast many times, some of our most loved episodes. Uh, but this is a company we trust. They are a health and wellness company that does everything with intention. All of their formulas are backed by science and their supplements only contain clean plant-based ingredients without toxins or harmful chemicals. They are absolutely obsessed with making sure their products do not have toxins or harmful chemicals. Thank you so much. Okay. So if you want to try symbiotica, you can save up to 20% off site wide with our code almost 30. Just go to symbiotica.com and use the code almost 30 for 20% off site wide. Do it now. Almost 30 is the code. Go to symbiotica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A. Okay. Small actions are pretty major. I was uh, walking down the street the other day in the morning. I was on my way to the gym and I wasn't on my phone and was consciously doing so. I, I was head up looking around, just kind of noticing things about my neighborhood and the people. And I smiled at a few people that walked by. And surprisingly, this is not a common occurrence, but they smiled back. And I know that me smiling at them somehow impacted their moment in in the day and it impacted me to get a smile back. And I don't know, it was just like, wow, these like small little things that we can do can have some pretty big benefits. Um, and it just reminds me how small things we can do for our health make a huge whole body Difference. Uh, One of those things I do is Seeds DSO One Daily Symbiotic. It has just made such a difference in my gut, skin, uh, and I know it has improved my heart health. Um, It is a just two little capsules that make a huge, huge impact on your health. Just two capsules a day. I've been taking Seeds DSO One Daily Symbiotic for about four years now, almost. Oh my god, it's been a long time—maybe three years—and I. I have never been more regular, which I love. It makes me feel really good. Um, My skin has been clear, which is so nice. Um, And I have experienced a huge reduction in bloating. So I know it works because there have been a couple weeks here and there where I forget to bring a seed on vacation with me or when I'm traveling. And y'all all of those symptoms come back. <laughs> it's kind of wild. So I've just noticed such a difference. Um, and it's easy to fit into my daily routine. I have it laid out every single morning. I take it on an empty stomach first thing in the morning, and it just sets off a chain reaction, of really good habits throughout the day. So if you're not taking care of your gut, You must. Okay. This is the central hub for various pathways through the body and a healthy gut microbiome means benefits for digestion, skin health, heart health, your immune system, and so much more. Seed is different because they have a patented capsule in capsule design. Um, which means the fragile bacteria can survive the journey all the way in your DI tract from shipping to your door where it works best in your body. So um, it's uh, it's a very unique thing that Seed has. Um, and DSO-1 was developed in collaboration with Seed Scientific Board and based on their foundational work in probiotics and the microbiome. They are all about the science. So if you want to read more about the science, please go to their website. Um, and I just love that it comes to my door every single month. My refill is there, so I never have to worry about it. So trust your gut with Seed's DSO1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash almost 30 and use code 25almost to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO1 Daily Symbiotic at seed, dot slash almost with the code 25almost. How did your family react like in that container and you're you're freely exploring and feeling seeing yourself again, you know, what was the reaction? How, how did you not let that, if it was a negative one in any way, how did you not let that kind of like dim your shine? Cause I'm sure you felt like finally, you know, feeling a shine that you haven't felt in a while.
0: Yeah. The, it was an experience of great rupture with my family. Um, we had a couple of different moments of like me expressing something, me getting back an, an experience, an expression of, judgment and non-acceptance. And then just my, in some ways it's like, I had the phrase like my fragile little heart, but I don't even know if that's true, but it, it was so that rejection really was almost this reflection of the lack of connection that I had always felt on some level. And so it was just like, boom, I'm out. You know, like I can't, I can't be around you and I can't, I can't come home. Like I can't, I can't, continue to show up even more me and feel even less accepted. And, but that was a process of different, of lots of like, you know, crying and yelling on the, on the phone to my parents and saying, you know, this is who I am. And them you know, having their own experience of feeling like it wasn't that I wasn't the person that they expected me to be. Right. And obviously their own stuff around how much they let them themselves self express coming up in that process. Um, And so there were stretches and stretches of time where I didn't see my family or I didn't go home or we didn't talk. um, And And that felt like it was going to be permanent, right? That it was going to be something that was going to happen forever um, because I didn't understand how to come back to the container um, and have a different experience. But that's, that's something that has been um, evolving. And for a long time, it was like, I, it's interesting to me that we're that we're talking so much about the LGBTQ stuff here because it's something that doesn't come up that it's not a dominant aspect of my work anymore because it's actually integrated. For a long time, I was, mm. you know, my diversity inclusion work was a lot around gender and sexuality because I was just fighting to be legit <laughs> in the world. And I was had all this toxic shame within me. It was just curdling inside of me. And I just felt, you know, I would have said, I love myself. It's those <laughs> people, they don't <laughs> love me, right? I love mm. myself. I have no issue, right? It's them. But ultimately I was at war within myself and that was yeah. just what was reflected externally. And so- that's, that's been the journey.
1: Yeah. I was interested. It's one of the questions that I wanted to, to talk about was the identity, you know, piece of it, because I would imagine it be boring after a while to have so many aspects of who you are and have the one thing be the identification that people put on you. Do you find that to be, I can't think of a word besides boring where it's like, I've already been, I've already done this. I've evolved beyond this. Like Cause I think about that with people that are trans in the community. I'm like, gosh, that, that must be frustrating when you are so many different things and to have that, that label, but you also are standing in that label because you want to be a voice for it, for people that are going through it, for people that need support. But I was curious your thoughts on that.
0: Totally. It, it- It can get boring. It did get boring. But then I integrated it within myself and I was like, "Okay, I don't want to just be known as this. I have so much more. And I already was offering so much more. Right. But because I still was sort of feeling this obligation to talk about it and to make myself legible, it was just what people saw primarily from me. Um, And also just being, you know, literally physically in a place where now, you know, people just read me as like some average white bro or like six member of One Direction or (laughs) wherever they, wherever they put me aesthetically (laughs) on their, on their, on their (laughs) spectrum. I like, I pass as a man. Right. And, you know, like that's, I can just be, people don't.
1: um, Man with the perfect
0: nose. (sighs) (laughs) That nose is. God bless my family, right? Top notch. <laughs> Shout out to them I'm a for nose, this nose. I'm a nose spy. <laughs> wow. I
3: love a good nose. <laughs> I see other perfect
0: noses around. That.
3: Oh,
0: yeah, right. Um, um, but, but yeah, it can it can it felt boring, but then I just decided to have a different experience yeah. and to just take it out of my bio and and to just be like as with everything, right? There's so many other aspects of myself that we could talk about here that I could talk about with anybody and it's like if it's meant to be known, a question will be asked yeah. and we'll begin to explore it. And knowing also that it's just, it's all honestly feels like a tool in my toolbox at this point that I've had this very tumultuous identity experience and have come out on the other side, able to support other people in reckoning with this complicated, we're all so different and yet somehow we're all one situation yeah. on earth.
1: Just really quickly on the the piece of the container with your family. So you being able to come back to your family was it an expectation of a different, like how exactly were you able to come back to them, not have any expectations of their change or growth, but really just shift things in you so that it could work. Cause I am all ears.
0: Yeah. It's I'll, I'll first just say it's an ongoing experience. It's um, what, how I answer it now will be different than how I answer it in a year. And there isn't this like perfect fairy tale ending yet, except for the fairy tale that I finally just feel amazing all the time. <laughs> and yeah. i feel a level of self acceptance that it's like it doesn't even bother me if someone understands who i am anymore it's like there's there just isn't that fight to be known and seen and so from one perspective i've made it from another i'm still navigating what it looks like to be close to these people who i have you know some deep karmic work that we're doing together but the the shift really came i'd say you know, I work a lot around intention, right? Like what was my actual intention all those years that I was fighting and then being like, F them, I need space. I don't want to talk to them. They're the worst. If I were really to look at like, where was my imagination playing out as the best case scenario or like when this resolves, what does that look like? There was part of me that was just like, well, I guess what feels good is that they don't exist anymore and I just have a nice life. Right. Or like this problem disappears or like it, it wasn't even within i wasn't even really letting myself feel like what would it feel like if they accepted me what would it feel like if i felt For at real. peace you know and can't so imagine. that intention of saying it's my intention to be, have a peaceful relationship with them it's my intention also to honor them as full human beings and to see their higher selves and to not tell a story that about what can and can't happen and then to begin to reestablish a connection based on that sort of zero point field experience. Like I always see Neo and Morpheus in the matrix when they go into the matrix and it's just white mm-hmm. and they're just dressed as like their higher selves. And it's like, okay, that's how I want to meet them. Right. And it's also like, that's how I meet myself. I can't control <laughs> their consciousness expansion or how they relate to me. And part of it too is like being at peace. Like if they think I'm a terrible person, okay, you know, But knowing also that conflict, anytime we're in conflict, we're still bidding for connection on some level, right? I've been in rooms that are very peaceful because people aren't actually invested in connection, right? And I've been in rooms where people are at each other's throats talking about culture, identity, things like that. And people might look at that and say, oh, that's so negative, right? But it's like, no, if we're in it, if there's crunchiness, if there's conflict, we're still in it. So to me, that speaks to the fact that there is that love underneath it all, Whereas I've had people who just disappear from my life. Right. Mm. But the fact that we're even fighting about what it means to be connected means that there's still some, yeah, there's some resources there.
2: Wow. And wow. made me think of like, um, cause I, you know, we all kind of have our own things with, with going back into the family container and also living room for surprise, like, remembering that like they could surprise me with how they react to something. They could surprise me with how they choose to evolve. Cause I always think, oh, they're just going to be the same forever and ever. But even just in the little ways in which they make their decisions every day, those small choices, I'm like, oh, that's so surprising. I never would have thought they would have done that. And to be like, actually let it land, you know, it doesn't have to be like this big thing. It's just like, oh, okay. You know, and it is to, speaking to that like zero point of just, you know, creating the space to actually let those little moments land because they matter too, you know, and at this point, they matter probably the most if we're going to like be in this lifetime for the rest of their time on earth, you know, it's like those little moments do add up to something pretty significant. But I, it's so interesting to think of you as a child and really committed to and struggling to like communicate and like figure out how to get people to understand where you're coming from and and what you're feeling and believing and where what was the turning point at which because this is like what you do for a living now is like helping people to talk about difference and to be a part of the conversation to actually, you know, not walk on eggshells anymore. So like what was the t- turning point at which you were confidently able to do that. And was it years of just like kind of practicing and doing those things or, or did you have an experience that gave you the confidence to do that?
0: I think there was always something. I just, this is how our consciousness works these days. I just saw the fire emoji. Um,
1: I love your visuals. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Do you get visions a lot?
0: Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Your Your visuals are are very very Mm
1: -hmm. amazing.
0: Thank you. Thank you. I, um, I'm excited to work more with visuals to yeah. do animations of things that I say. Um, and because it's, it also just takes us out of that, you know, that technical, it just allows us to immerse ourselves in a scene. Um, but that, that fire emoji, like burning in my, in my belly, like there was something within me, even if I was like smacking my head against a brick wall, I was like, I, there's, there's stuff going on. Like, don't you understand like the genocide in Darfur and malaria and like these people don't have enough food and like that person's not being nice. And like that, it just, it distressed me. Right. And I, from as early as 13, 14, 15 was starting to think about, okay, like how do I, how do I make a difference? Some of the first work that I did was, um, in high school with the girl that I ultimately fell in love with. Shout out to her. (laughs) She's listening. (laughs) We're friends now. Um, we or we did this um, student organization called Think Globally, Act Locally, where we would like skip our lunch periods and study hall and we would go around and we somehow convinced all these teachers in our high school to let us give presentations about big global issues. And then we'd even, it's like intuitively even then I was like, I can't just hit these kids with an image of genocide. I got to then give them a little, what can you <laughs> oh. do right here, right now, right? In your individual life. Wow. And so then giving them these, these ways to take a little bit of action. Um, and that really led me into my late teens and early twenties, being a community organizer, working on social justice projects, um, running traditional campaigns, like in that way, I feel like that all of us understanding Barack Obama's um, Trajectory sort of gave that visual to community organizing, like knocking on the doors and making change, and that was the model. It was like when I looked to wanting to make a difference, it was community organizing. It was things like Gandhi and Nelson Mandela, like those were the people, and Abraham Joshua Heschel. Those were the people that I had to look up to, and so I was on the ground. I was working on food justice, labor justice, um, organizing for workers' rights, or writing into workers' rights contracts. Things like. Also, you guys have to order 20% organic food by 2020, um, things like that. And it was, it was so organic. And then the real shift that came was a couple of years ago, I started to look around and say, is this working? (laughs) Is this actually working? Right. Because part of the model was these people need to be educated. There's the good ones and there's the bad ones. These people need to change their behavior. As soon as we can help them change their behavior, everything's going to be okay. And there was a fight. It was like F those workers bosses. Right. And then we're going to the table with them and being like, please treat the workers nicely. It's like
1: like unions. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. Um, or, or, even like going in and, you know, I was one of those early environmental activists, like I would chain myself to things. And it was like this fight, right? It was fighting, fighting, fighting for social justice. And then in the lead up to the 2016 election, it just all fell apart for me. I was just like, this energetically isn't working. Right. And I always, even before then there was this, I, I, learn from Gandhi, right? How we do the work is the work. The means have to reflect the ends. So even when I was even younger, I was like, it doesn't make sense to me that none of us are sleeping because I think we're trying to create a utopia. where like, we're well rested as activists and doing that kind of self-care for activists work. Mm-hmm. So that was, that's really been the trajectory of starting to create that space where it's like, how do I do the work in a way that to go back to what you said about letting the little things delight you. Like, are we even open to the possibility of a resolution or are we addicted to the fight? And that image that, that, that you brought in of the person who's refusing to open their eyes and be woken up. It's like, how are we doing that to like life's beauty or just like, no, I don't want that hug from that beautiful energy. Right. I'm cl- like that way in which we've sort of closed down. Hmm. And that's really what opened it all up was starting to, was just being so committed to change and saying, I'm still just seeing a lot of conflict. So what's going to change that?
1: Wow. Take a sec. Mm,
0: grounding breath.
1: I really love that. I really, really love that. I've never thought about it in that way. And related to, to, to that, I saw an Instagram post that you did that I really, really loved and really resonated with me and taught me something that I, I need to think about um, was related to being real on Instagram and would love for you to fill it in. But what I gathered from it was that you talked a lot about how being real seems to be related to negativity in a way. So you're being, you're considered real on Instagram. If you are writing about your anxiety, your depression, how work is hard, how your relationships hard, more or less the hard challenging parts of your life. But the realness doesn't really happen on Instagram when people are really standing in their power and really sharing moments of like true alignment and power within who they are. And I thought that was very true because I noticed that within myself where I will share more of like the challenging parts because I feel like I do need to relate on that level rather than like something that really feels truly deeply aligned and powerful for me. As an example, my relationship, I don't share much about because I feel... Like it will make others feel bad if I talk too much about things that are really good for me.
0: So powerful. And I, and I feel that from you about your relationship. Like I, it's like almost this like untapped well energy where it's like, damn, I know this relationship is great. Mm-hmm. Right. And then it like, it's so important to you and it brings so much joy to you. And, and, and that it is such a possibility, right? And it's like, did it come too easily to you or did it, you know, have you had it for too long when everybody's still trying to manifest their boo and like, has it set you? And mm. it's like all of, it's almost like that energy of privilege, which is something that is related to mm-hmm. all of the identity stuff. It's like, Literally. how dare you yeah. be freaking happy with the soul that you chose to connect with in this lifetime so that you can actually serve the world. Yeah. Um. So I can't wait to hear more about your relationship, yeah. and and to answer the question, it's it's always for me about this polarity and this duality, right, and this balance of yes, sometimes the lesson is I've been posting everything with the Paris filter and being like I love my life and you know this amazing things happening, and um, actually something very intense is happening that I've been omitting. Right. And sometimes the real thing is to lean into that and say, this is what's going on. Um, But I think that the the current climate of social media has us all kind of searching for the relatable flaws. And I would love us to search for like our relatable brilliance and our relatable Mm. just power. I'm just, I saw this image of someone where you got the long, I mean, I'm always right up against that Instagram caption limit, (laughs) Um, (laughs) the long post of all the, you know, like, this is what I've learned from this intense thing. And then someone like gets a book deal or they fall in love and it's like, life's pretty great. Peace emoji. Right. And it's even like the way that we write that caption where it's like, I can't write this whole big thing about how amazing it is because it might make people feel bad rather than saying, actually... I'm not interested in arguing for our limitations and like you're really freaking amazing mm. and like show it to me. Like let us just see you radiating and receive that as a rec- as a reflection of how amazing all of us are.
3: Wow. Yeah.
2: That's so powerful. I think the relatable brilliance like hit me in a way because I, I'm fascinated by, and I've, Definitely been in this mode of being addicted to um, just not being happy or not letting myself be happy, not feeling that joy. And it has to do with like how I grew up and like what I was modeled. And I do think societally, like we are not, we are, you know, with what we see on the news, like the documentaries we see on Netflix, like it. it it does have this heaviness. And so if we stay there, you know, there we will live in the lack and always need to want more, have more, do more. And thus, if we are in a place of peace and acceptance and of gratitude and pride, then like, I, I think it, to me, it feels like, then where would the mind go? You know, like, cause sometimes when the mind has like stuff to ruminate on and sink into, that's like, it's comfort. Cause it has things to do. But then if it's, you know, and there's breath and there's lightness, it's like we were talking about before that free fall and it's like unreal, but it's also fucking terrifying. So I'm like, so curious about like your, your, um, possible deep dive into like the behavioral side of all of this, you know, and, and what that has been like, because it's just, this conversation is making me think about that, how we're addicted to that low
0: completely and
2: relating on that low.
0: Yeah. And I'm going to live into the medicine, just like and express that I'm loving this conversation. Right. And I feel that sense of expansion. And it was interesting to note even like how your energy changed as soon as you started talking about like, Oh my God, what if it could be this amazing, like your whole face lit up and you were like, Mm. I always see this image of like a little flying squirrel who's just like leapt in it, like you know it's gonna <laughs> land, but it's just like Beep. I'm really little. <laughs> like, there's a lot of air around me. That's oh, how it feels to be a human sometimes. Oh my god, that needs myself. to be your
2: visual. That needs to be like your first animation, yeah. your Great. cartoon that Great. you create.
0: <laughs> I'm receiving it. And Just to be clear, I'm describing myself as a flying squirrel. Yeah,
3: just you.
1: Uh, <laughs> I kind of want to be it
3: too. I know you can own it. Um,
0: and. Yeah. Just like, and the levity that just came into this conversation of like, whoo, what if we let ourselves feel really good? And for me, I think I lived in so like my, when I think about the first like two and a half decades of my life, it's just like Eeyore, (laughs) darkness, like stranger things when they go into the upside down, like just that level of debt. It's like that damp density of like, oh, life felt so hard and it felt so confusing. And it's like, is the revolution like getting one over on those people and having them finally admit that they did every single thing that I think they did, or is it just being freaking happy, right? And understanding like human evolution and that I really see the next phase of human evolution is how good can it get? How can we step back into that Garden of Eden energy and how do we go from just innovate? innovating out of desperation and scarcity like oh my god we have to invent something to save ourselves and clean the oceans and make enough money to pay rent versus like what would you create if you just got to like chill with the infinite energy of all that is and make something beautiful like when i look the example that's coming to mind is actually um will and jada smith's kids um and the the energy that they've been able to bring to the world so early on because they've had everything that they've, they've had loving parents, they've had resources and I know they've had their own struggles, but like those kids are making some psychedelic art. That's really cool because they have the space to do it. Um, And so for me, it's like, I, I, I'm right now constantly leaning up against the edge of what's the story about what's possible um, in terms of the level of joy that we can experience and how can we be revolutionary about that? And the last example coming in is um, I don't have the full historical details, but I've heard in different ways that surfing is something that was invented by people who basically had everything they needed. They were living on an island in a chill communal situation, picking the fruit off the trees and it was like, how much more fun can we have with the ocean? And they invented surfing, right? So I think part of it's like that fear of, yeah, what do Mm -hmm. I do if it's good? Who's going to judge me? Who's going to leave me? Because they're still addicted to not feeling good. Mm. So there's the polarity even there, the grief and the joy.
1: I love polarity. Actually, I hate it. It actually causes me great mental anguish. But (laughs) for, so I guess for, for someone that would come to you and say, but the ocean is covered in trash. The world is on fire. There's a lot happening. What do you say to them?
0: I would say, from one perspective, that's totally accurate, right? And it's again that that duality and that polarity. And feel free to share more about that. You know what what that brings up for you because it's it's a, it's not a it's about not turning away from what's true and real. Letting the anger be there. Letting like looking. Okay, there's plastic washing up on this beach. That person cut me off in traffic. Like letting yourself see what is but being so revolutionarily committed to joy and liberation that you don't take that as evidence of what's possible, right? And so it's this balance of looking at what is, dealing with it, but then setting your sights on on faith, setting your sights on hope and understanding the metaphysics of we only get that which we are a vibration of, right? So it's not about like, la, 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 la good vibes only. I'm not going to look at the plastic. Everything's <laughs> fine. Um, because energetically actually, is that even positive? There's quite an energy of self-rejection <laughs> and, and negativity actually within that way of being good vibes only. Um, and, What if I had like a good vibes only t shirt? I was like, oh shit. No, it's not. Shout out to all my good vibes only people. (laughs) Also, good vibes only. I'm like, good vibes only as our future destination. Like, I'm not interested in telling. It's also just quality of life. Am I interested in telling a possibility story that I could actually upgrade my physical state Mm. and my embodiment to a level where peace on earth would be possible within my lifetime? That feels like a really fun challenge to pursue for my whole life versus we're not really going to fix any of this just about harm reduction and securing a place to ride out the apocalypse within 50 years. Like that doesn't feel expansive for me. Mm -hmm. And when I lived like that, I saw less change in my life and in other people's lives.
2: Mm. You mentioned um, faith a moment ago, and I'm just curious how like your relationship with God has, has evolved through all of this.
0: Good old G-O-D. Um, I, it's funny to even use words like faith and prayer and trusting. And mm-hmm. And it's actually funny walking in here. I noticed that there was a, a last supper thing in the garden. Hello, well, uh, I know. And, really? And, yeah, it's hilarious. And I was I've like, shout out that. to Jesus. Jesus is with me as I'm going to almost 30. Mm-hmm. And that energy of, I, I used to even something like the word prayer or God, I bristled that. It was like, No. And I remember having these conversations with my mom where she would say, I see like Jesus's love in you. And I'd be like, no, he's nowhere near me. You know, like, Mm -hmm. because I, I just associated all of it with this trauma that I had um, in the Catholic church. But then it was like, okay, do I want to live my whole life proving a point by rejecting all of that? Or like, could I let these resources back into my life? a trust that I live in a benevolent universe, um, a trust that there are multidimensional energies that are working with us at all times. And that Jesus actually was a pure expression of love and it's, and I can access that love or not. Right. I can tap into that memory of someone who believes so purely in the unity and the love of all of humanity. And I could let myself receive that medicine or I could keep my heart closed to that, right? And keep doing it by myself, right? A Course in Miracles says that fear is a sure sign that you're relying only on yourself. Um, And it just, it started with a willingness. It started with a willingness to say, "I'm, I'm really here for something big and I wanna feel better. So what's up God? It's me, Aaron. (laughs) Like use me. And also having a concept of God, that's just like, it's everything, right? We swim in a field of infinite potential and love is the only thing that's real. And how can I make myself a conduit for that Mm. in every moment? And then just let life feel amazing because when you're doing that, you feel good.
1: Mm. Something that I really love is my sweet cats, Fuji and Ugi. They are so meaningful to me. And I know if you love your animals too, that your pet is one of a kind. So is their journey in life. So while every playful moment is a memory in the making, sometimes our cats and dogs are a little too good at getting into trouble. That's why you should check out ASPCA Pet Health Insurance. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program offers customizable accident and illness plans, making it easier for pet parents like you to help get you the pet care that they may need. The ASPCA Health Insurance Program has been around for over 18 years, and they've helped more than 600,000 pets during that time. It allows you to customize your plan, helping ensure that your pet's plan is as unique as they are, because vet bills can really add up, especially when you're least expecting it. It's actually really simple, so you can use their app to submit a claim, and you'll receive reimbursement for eligible vet bills directly into your bank account. To explore coverage, visit ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash almost30. That's ASPCAPetinsurance.com slash almost 30. Again, that's ASPCAPetinsurance.com slash almost 30. That's almost three zero. This is a paid advertisement. Insurance is underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by PTZ Insurance Agency Limited. The ASPCA is not an insurer and not engaged in the business of insurance. So let me ask you, why is it that money and speaking are two of women's biggest fears? Why is it that money and speaking are two of women's biggest fears? Because a woman who speaks her truth, her stance in her power and claims her abundance is one of the most powerful forces on this planet. Technically, she's the threat. Technically, she is the change. She is brave and she's the new coming into this form. London this year, I am doing an event with my dear friend, Victoria Washington, one of the most powerful women I know, for a two-day voice and wealth immersion. This is a very intimate small group event for change makers and leaders, people that want to step into their voice, claim their abundance, and really become the powerful being that they came here to be. Victoria and I are elated to be returning back to London for a transformative weekend together, combining two of the most powerful mediums for any entrepreneur and for any being on this planet, really. Your voice is your unique sound. It's your expression. It's your speech. It's how you connect with the world. It's how you share with the world who you are. Your wealth is your identity. It's your financial expression. It's your embodiment. Your wealth is actually a state of being. So the bottom line is when you attune to your voice, your true actual voice, and you step into your true wealth, you stop being afraid to speak and you start sharing a message that reaches thousands, maybe millions and reaches people in the right way. So during our two days together at this immersion happening in April on the 12th through the 14th in London, you're going to break through any fears that are holding you back. Anything that's holding your real voice hostage, allow you to take the stage to receive valuable, honest feedback that will shift the way you embody and share your expression with the world. We'll be covering making money as a public speaker, content creator and thought leader, how to seamlessly infuse powerful storytelling and auditory learning into your offers and experiences, pitching yourself to podcasts and larger networks without the awkward sleaze, building a reputable brand with the power of your voice, viewing your voice as a currency that is intrinsically linked to your wealth identity and embodying a peaceful relationship with money that serves as a medium for you to earn greatly for your gifts. This is going to be an intimate group. I am so excited to be there. We're going to help you make money, be yourself and change the world this April in London at a small group immersion on wealth and the voice with Victoria Washington. So happening April two thousand twenty four, the twelfth through the fourteenth. You can get tickets online for this event. Go to IamVictoriaWashington.com dot slash london immersion. That's Washington dot com slash london immersion. That's Washington dot com slash london immersion. You can also go to my Instagram. It's Krista, I T S K R I S T A, and it's in link and bio. That's I T S K R I S T A on Instagram. And the link for the London immersion on voice and the wealth is in my bio. Yeah. I had to take back or like reconfigure what faith meant, what angels meant was like Mm -hmm. the huge thing for me. I remember when I met Justin, his mom is an angel healer and I didn't really know much about angels besides the church. I was like, oh, they're, you know, on the walls that was kind of, and I saw them as higher than me that I could never access them that they were different than me and when i started to really get to know her and the work that she does with angels and understand that they're available to you and accessible to you to communicate and support i was like i'll never forget i'm like wow you know this is like a new world like mm. to have that access and to not feel to feel worthy of that access and that relationship and and that support of ascended masters and angels was like oh my god wow cool like what else was there that isn't you know, yeah. like the way that I should be experiencing this.
0: I have full body chills, FBC, as I like to <laughs> because I say it so much. How powerful that that was like the medicine that your life set up for you, that that was going to be, you know, a person who came into your life. Mm-hmm. And that's actually energy I've been working with a lot with my clients recently of like, it's this, it's again, this duality of like, is it that the angels are coming down to be on our level or is it that we're getting off our knees, right? And looking yeah. them eye to eye and this wow. understanding that if we chose to be in physical bodies in this lifetime where all this wild, absolutely unprecedented stuff is happening on earth, like we really chose to be here and beings that are not in bodies are like, what do y'all need? You know, there I see them yeah. back at mission control. Like I was like, okay guys, I'm going in for like 20 years. I'm going to basically think you don't, you don't exist. And I know that I'm basically, I'm kind of like your collaborator and your boss. And like, you're just going to have to keep sending these messages over and over and over again. And I know that I seem really conscious of why it's all going to happen now, but believe me, once I'm down there, I'm going to forget a little bit and seeing them just back at mission control being like, what do you need boss? Yeah. Let's do this. Right. And it's like in that energy of traditions where you bow to each other when you meet, it's like, not that they're le- any less amazing, but not that we're any less amazing either. Mm-hmm. We both get to have reverence for each other.
2: Yeah. Wow. So sweet. Mm-hmm. Sweet to think about them. Think mm-hmm. yeah. at Mission Control.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I don't know who said this, but someone told me this the other day, and I forget who they said said this. But uh, you know, speaking about religion and how it's just different languages to God. And like, as I get older, and I too grew up, grew up Catholic, and just. You know, redefining that and seeing because I did have that reaction. I would have the when someone would like, you know, talk about God or look up or like pray before dinner. I'm like, huh, what the fuck? Mm -hmm. You know, like I kind of had a judgment around it, and I just realized like my exploration of my own spirituality, like, is is directly to the same place. You know, source, God, universe, love, whatever you want to call it, and it's just been such a beautiful thing to to realize, you know, it's been healing. Cause I think we like, we need to like, we have the need to define like, no, they're Catholic and they are Buddhist and they are Muslim. And you know, it's We're like, separate, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so it's really just opened it all up. And I think that's, that's the point. So it's just interesting that we as humans and human bodies have like wanted to separate it all rather than just think about it as a different language. You know, you speak French. English, Chinese-like, but it's all, we're, we're saying very similar things about love, about conflict, about
0: it also. Totally, yeah. I love that we all had this journey out of Catholicism. Yes, I just saw us all. Our, like, our, like, our, our listeners like, are like, "Yeah, we get it." <laughs> I
3: know. I talk about it
1: all the time. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a lot,
0: right? It's, it's a know, lot. Catholicism was like the Yo. control system on this planet. Yes, so like, you know, two seconds ago, It's the cabal. Yeah, no, like, the Angels, please surround us. I angels Lord. surround us. us. We have this conversation. They're here. Yes, they're like, here.
1: It's just you know, peace and love to everyone in every religion that you practice, but the yeah. end, the and <laughs> this is what i'll say this is my truth the Let catholic church Puts it's a hierarchy so that you separate from yourself so you never feel like you are good enough for love. So you feel like no matter what you do, you're always working towards this next place that is outside of you, that is deemed appropriate by someone else that you don't know within your community. The only men thing, the fact that you can't get married, the shame around your body, the shame around women, making Mary Magdalene a whore when she actually wasn't, making like actually having sex to have a baby bad so that they had to have her be a virgin is like another, like there's so many different aspects of it that are just so heartbreaking if you think about it. And all the symbolism in the Catholic church is really dark. <laughs> the colors, the yes. symbolism and everything, if you really look into it, there's a lot of really good things on History Channel that relate to that, that kind of go into that. But I urge you to explore kind of the 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 strategy behind it as far as far as it relates to like a mass...
0: System of control.
1: System of control.
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. And that separation that you talk about is really that hit me on an intellectual level in the last few years of like, okay, this original sin thing. So I'm permanently messed up, right? In some ways that's like at the core of what we're talking about with like the vision of the world and hope it's like, are we permanently destroying each other? Or can we actually transcend something and never have to go back? And that sense of you never know if you're right or you're wrong until someone else tells you, right? And it's like, when does my goodness expire? How often do I have to go to confession? Um, and, and then, you know, for folks who are listening, who may be feeling different levels of resonance or triggered on all of this, it's like, I always just say, like, is it working for you? You know, are you feeling good about yourself? <laughs> and if not then the doors open to have a new experience. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That's an interesting point about like um, things that trigger others, you know, and where like if, yeah, if it's working for you, like it's almost like the reaction shouldn't not shouldn't be, or in my perspective, it's like, why then become defensive if it's your truth and it is working for you? Why would it be like, Hey, Hey, because da, 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 to I me because to me that means it's not might not be working for you and it's making you look at it and actually come to the realization that it should be something you should look more into so I mean what are this, your thoughts
1: on
0: that yeah oh I, yeah I completely agree I used to joke that I would I eventually started to learn that how the trajectory of my life when I was very early in, in a in a new level of self-awareness, I was like, basically anything that I've ever been like, I don't know. It's just like, it's fine for those other people, but like, not for me. Like, it's just cool, but it's like for them, but it's not for me. <laughs> I would like eventually jump off a cliff after that thing, you know, be it literally changing my gender and physical embodiment or um, going plant-based or taking a break from being plant-based for a little bit and then going back to being plant-based and, you know, all these different things. It's like if I'm cool with myself, it's either an interesting conversation to have, or it's not a conversation I'm having. It's not like charging me in that really powerful way.
1: Yeah. So would you, I guess for, for that, I guess, what advice would you give to people when they realize or recognize that something is triggering them? What, how would you explain what exactly is happening and what would you suggest that they do? This taking this advice for myself as
0: well. Mm -hmm, Same. Uh, um, I always say, look at every, every moment, like a choice, right? So the first thing is to choose the moment, to choose the trigger, to not just say, Oh my God, I don't know why this is happening, but I guess like, because some spiritual person told me on Instagram, like, I'm going to try to find a lesson in it. It's like, you chose it. It's happening for a reason. Um, and, and accepting the medicine in that way in that way rather because that really puts us in an empowered place and it allows us to kind of take our own timeline with it too, where it's like, if it's just happening to me, it can feel like something that's just sweeping through your life and you have to, there's a right or a wrong way to respond. And if you're just like, okay, this is showing up, I have an opportunity to work with it. It must be coming because there's something here for me. Um, And really just saying, getting curious. There's a couple of ways to do it. First is just to say, how am I feeling right now? whoo, okay. Like, could I write some words down about how I'm feeling? I'm feeling tight in my chest. I'm feeling like I want to cry. I feel like I want to punch someone. I feel like I want to eat a chocolate cake, like whatever it is. And then saying, okay, when's the first time I remember feeling this way and tracing it back to that often childhood memory Shout out to my multidimensional people, maybe a past life yeah. and then saying, okay, what was the belief that was instilled in this moment? Or what would I have to believe in order to feel this way? Whoa. Okay. So all of a sudden I'm feeling panic when someone who's really amazing reaches out to me and that panic in my body is reminding me of when I got the lead in a play in school, but then my mom told me to not be a show off. Boom. Whoa. Okay. There's a belief there that I won't be loved if I shine too much. Mm. So even though something amazing is happening and I have a career opportunity, my trigger is bringing me into that place of like wanting to self-sabotage or just feeling like it's a bad, a bad thing. So we can really just like trace that emotion. And then once we hit the emotion, also just let it come through, like let it blow through like a, like one of those quick summer rainstorms where it's just like, boom. Okay. I felt really awful for a little while rather than feeling a little bit awful and then trying to just manage it in lots right. of different ways. Cause once we let it up and out, then it doesn't have to come around again. Mm-hmm.
2: And I'm wondering too, like, what is the, cause I'm sure, I'm sure I've definitely done this, like the need to express to the the person who triggers you, like when is that appropriate and when is it not, when is it healing? When is it not, you know, when is it, a collaborative moment and could be productive because, you know, I'm speaking to like kind of our experience if we get feedback and, and people say something and sometimes I don't know whether us responding back or me responding back will be productive to the intention of them reaching out. Cause I don't know if it's just to say it and get it out, like you said, up and out and that's how they do it. Yeah, there's so
0: many layers. Here, <laughs> so right? many layers. Yeah, it's like I came with that original question sort of from that more like just personal, something happens in my right, life and I'm right. triggered. But but, but it, it applies. That, yeah. I'm just kind of, Oh, know. totally. Yeah. We're just going to like mm-hmm. the, the next tier of this this thing, which is, yeah, to really when, when you're getting feedback, right? When you're being told that you messed up in particular, right? There's a, that opportunity to say, what in me is this a reflection of? right and understanding to to just really anchor this before we talk about any of the specifics is to say that i really believe that from one perspective there's no right or wrong it's all a choice right so if you were to be to hit them back in the comments and be like well don't you know this Da-da-da-da-da, you know and just like hit them or like think that you know get to a place where you feel really grounded and then respond or take 2 days and then respond or never respond or write a blog post about it or whatever it is Whatever the reaction is, is just going to continue to be part of your healing and growing process. And so if we can like really own our choices and surrender that we can't control other people's reactions and just seek to take action from a place of not having an aroused nervous system, (laughs) coming from a place of calm and connecting with like, what would the highest embodiment of myself do right now? And just owning that choice and then owning what comes back. Um, And I think that when, in terms of that question of when's it appropriate to respond, um, I think that it's almost, it's almost always okay, right? To, to respond if you're responding from a place of having taken that breath for yourself, right? Having taken that, that integration moment um, and knowing that you might come in feeling like, I'm just going to share this thing with this person and I feel really aligned and I'm going to, you know, update my perspective a little bit. And, you know, I feel like I can just see them responding so positively and being like, wow, we had this learning moment together. And then they hit you back with like some middle finger emoji. And it's like, well, I guess that that's part of the message here is just for me to know that sometimes I can be perfectly aligned and it's still going to create a negative reaction in someone else. So it's, it's highly nuanced and I'm happy to hear kind of more, whatever else is coming up for you if we want to keep unpacking it.
2: Yeah, no, that makes sense. I'm sure we'll. Yeah. Yeah. We just we're hired Aaron Rose. <laughs> yeah. He's
1: actually we're working together, you
0: yeah, guys. Want to get really into
2: that
1: to, to just explore all the things and just be better examples for our community, feel better about what we're doing and there's just so much for us to to learn, but And I I wanted to relate exactly what you were saying, less related to like our experience and with the community. But I think everyone can use that information as a response to say a friend, a friend you might be having a falling out with, a relationship, work, you know, that kind of same information applies.
0: Totally. And when we're speaking specifically kind of relationally about um, not just sort of being a public figure and navigating things in the comments and things like that. But if we're triggered or having a hard time with someone in the moment, like, I statements all the way drop So we calm the nervous system. We can do that by taking a deep breath, going for a run, doing some emotional freedom technique, tapping, meditating, whatever it is. Then we drop into the heart. We literally just see our mind go from the mind. I always see it like those big glass elevators in like hotel lobbies where you're like going down from the top floor (laughs) into Mm -hmm. the heart center, seeing the light there and then having your expression come from that place. Right. And just, owning your I statement. It was really hard for me to hear you say that because it brought up all this stuff for me. Something that I use that I think Brene Brown shares a lot is just saying the story I'm in right now is this. Oh. And I just navigated some massive conflict with a couple of people in my life. Or I, you know, I say massive almost in quotation marks because it was just highly emotionally charged. And we just did this dance where we were like, okay, the story that I'm in is that you don't, you don't care about me as a friend. Okay, the story that I'm in is that I have to be perfect in order to be your friend. The story that I'm in is this, right? And we could just share it from that level of like, this is the reality that I'm in. I know it's not the reality that you're in. And can we bring enough compassion just to hear each other out and let that hearing be the medicine? Yeah. And then ultimately, if you're not getting that reflection back, if someone's like, what story are you talking about? I'm the only objective thing is this, right? Then you can at least give yourself you're already giving yourself the medicine of knowing that you're honoring your perspective while acknowledging that it's different than the others.
1: So good. The perfect thing was interesting for me because what came up was in um, a lot of times in my personal relationship with, with Justin, I feel like I have to be perfect when I come to the table with something that I feel. And that's like my, my thing. I just feel like it always has to be perfectly crafted, thought out, emotionally calm. It has to be this perfect thing. And I was thinking back in my, you know, growing up, I felt like I had to be perfect in a lot of ways in that way and how that's kind of still coming up for me as like my story that I'm projecting, you know, onto, Mm -hmm. onto Justin, that it needs to be perfect. I need to be so like, almost manipulatively strategic about what I'm saying to get what I, what I want. And I'm saying what I want in quotes, cause it's not like I want like a liver or like <laughs> cash. It's like just the, that what I want the, the safety and the emotional response that I'm looking for. Um, so what you said just really, really rang true for me.
0: Completely, and I think it does give us that opportunity. Just in the conversation right now, for for folks who are listening, to say that like, where do the triggers come from? Right, is from that root subconscious programming. Sometimes we come into it literally encoded within our DNA from the fear based patterns that our ancestors dealt with, like what the conditions of their lives were, um, and then also what happens in our in our early years. So, so many of us were like walking around looking into each other's eyes trying to find that safety trying to find that that I do it the right way because I'm getting basically what I'm getting is a calm nervous system response mm. back from you wow. I'm not getting triggered by my empathic feeling of you getting upset because what would happen when I was a kid if someone would get upset and for some of us it's like you know the really cinematic stuff of like major violence but for a lot of us it's just like well then I felt like my mom didn't like me right mm-hmm. or I felt like I did something wrong and that feels horrible as a kid. And it's also tied to our survival needs. It's like, I got to keep these people happy so that they keep me alive.
2: <laughs> Feel that. Yeah. Feel that. Um, I would love to just talk a little bit about, you know, the work that we are going to be doing and, and, and what that looks like when you work with organizations, when you work with people who are uh, leading a movement or a company and, and how your work has been, has impacted not only the um, people they're trying to impact in their business, but also just their teams and, and the community, the culture of the company. Because I think, you know, giving love and attention to those micro can impact the macro on just on a level that I can't even fathom. So what does that look like? Because we haven't started with you yet by this time we have been when this comes out, but I'm just, I'm so excited. I'm like fucking going crazy right now mm-hmm. because this conversation alone feels so good. So yeah. what does that look like? Mm.
0: And I'm, I'm also excited and it felt like the right timing for us to have this conversation and then
1: I agree.
2: Then
0: yeah, yeah, me in. too. It's like, let's just chill and chat a little bit. It was bit. like
1: a secret way to get a free session in.
2: But
0: <laughs> 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 Glad you're working
1: with our team yes. for
0: Yeah, a team day. Yeah, yeah, I'm really excited about that. It's important to us. A big aspect of what gives me just that, like I just saw myself like kicking back in a chair on the beach, like that level of peace within myself about my work is understanding that the micro is the macro, how you do anything is how you do everything and a shift within one person because all we have is this now moment, everything that's ever happened is just all happening right now. And so when we start to have even a little bit of a shift in experience, it ripples out you know, many different perspectives as we've been talking about these different paths to the same truth. Um, I think it's Hinduism and, and, the Ve- and the Vedas that say that you heal seven generations back and seven generations forward. It's like you liberate all these stuck aspects of yourself. Even when you look at yourself in the mirror and for the first time, you're like, what's up? Mm-hmm. Nice person. You know, like you're just like feeling a little bit more self-love that we cannot underestimate the impact of a small shift like that. So any little shift that we do within ourselves, and then when we, if we do within a, a, a group of people. It has these massive ripple effects out into the collective. And I like to anchor that in because we're talking about casual things like healing intergenerational trauma and like basically reestablishing (laughs) peace on earth in a world that seems like it's going up in flames. But to understand that like, yes, we can radically take that on and the medicine is moment by moment by moment. Not with that perfectionism of like, I have to be perfect, but like the relief of always getting a restart and understanding that, you know, when I, get triggered by something. Let's just, we'll, we'll go into the, we'll use identity examples because we're speaking about that in terms of how to create this sort of like diverse and inclusive community in a way that feels really inviting for, for lots of people. Um, you know, if I have a situation where a woman as a, as a man, where a woman comes to me and is like, you, you said something that made me really upset, right? That made me, um, you know, and I feel like you're saying something that's sexist or however she puts it, right? What's the autopilot in that moment? Actually, I think you're like 75% upset, like logically based on what I did. Like there's, you know, I get it, but like, I feel like you're overreacting a little bit. Like there's a there's a squashing, right? There's a, a pushing down of the emotion. There's an invalidation, not to mention like the full spectrum of violence that can occur there, but that kind of energy of I'm not validating you. And so if that's what every single man in my bloodline has done as like a large pattern throughout all of the generations. And then in that moment, I just drop into my heart. And before I even say anything, I'm just like, I see you. Thank you for sharing that with me. Right. And I just let that in that little pattern reset makes such a big difference because we don't even realize how much we're holding this active fight in ourselves um, against each other. The, another example I'll bring in is I had a client who came to me running a really big, successful spiritual wellness business and was looking at aspects of sexuality and race of like, I really feel like I had this very straight white audience. Um, and we spent one session doing in addition to some other less metaphysical things, but we spent time just dropping into her heart and saying, how do you actually feel about people of color and LGBTQ people and noticing like, Whoa, there's this energy of Resistance. There's this energy of pullback of like, I'm scared for you to be around because I'm scared to hurt you, right? I'm scared that, we're not, that I'm scared that I'm not gonna be able to see myself as a good person. And we just breathed into that like a muscle knot and we did a loving kindness practice and we just sent them love and we set the intention. I'm ready to let go of the idea that our safety is mutually exclusive. Right? And we did some subconscious reprogramming there. And then I kid you not, within 24 hours, I get an email from her saying, out of nowhere, all these people just wrote to me asking to contribute to my site. <laughs> these people of color, these wow. women of color, wow. these LGBTQ people. And I was like, boom, like mic drop. You, they were ready to be part of your community. You just had to let go of the part of yourself mm. that still was programmed to mistreat them. And so you were holding them at a distance cause you didn't want to recreate that cycle, but you didn't know how to get to the other side. Damn. So that's one aspect of wow. what we do is really wow. just looking at those patterns and saying, let's clean it up. Let's have a new experience.
2: Wow, Those energetic tools must be so powerful. Do you ever get someone who's wait. like, what the heck? Cause we're like in it, so yeah. I can't wait. But like, do you ever get like a CEO who's like, what the hell are you asking me to do?
0: Um, generally no, because I do a lot of work around who my ideal clients are. I used to attract a little bit more like that. And now it's kind of like, you know, you must be this high to ride and you got to be down. You got to be ready for the level of transformation. You got to be ready to receive the tools. And also what I love about the cultural moment that we're in is that we're all kind of starting to admit that things haven't been going well. Mm. And so there's a willingness. There's like, okay, well, I've been reading best practices lists online and like, talking to my social media manager about how to reduce negative comments, but that hasn't been working. So maybe I will take a deep breath with Aaron and think about what my parents said to me about people of color and how that might be subconsciously replaying <laughs> in my experience right now. And then we pair that I'll add as well, just for, for folks who are listening um, and thinking about the whole process, we pair it with what's the aligned action, right? Okay. If we're stepping into that higher integrity part of self does it mean reparations? Does it mean amends making? Does it mean you know, navigating certain aspects of your identity and saying, actually, I need to go apologize to that person that I laughed at a joke about them when I was 12, right? I need to clean that up or I need to send them some love if I can't find them, right? So there are little things that we can do um, in addition to practices like donating an aspect of your, your profits and things like that and giving back in that way. Yeah, it's all part of the process.
1: Wow well i'm so excited
0: i'm excited to be more Cannot.
1: excited just as a last question from me just like a quick fire thing what are a few books that you'd recommend our audience to read that you love and that have been impactful for you
0: i love a rapid fire um <laughs> i am like hit me with the hit me with the resource and astrology Catch questions up or mustard? Yeah, no. <laughs> Books that I love include A Course in Miracles, which is a metaphysical text for reprogramming your consciousness from fear to love. And if that feels if it if it calls to you, but it feels daunting, just open it up anywhere and just start reading and have an experience. Don't be a perfectionist and try to read the whole 700 page text from start to finish. Um, A Return to Love is Marianne Williamson's book about A Course in Miracles, which helps people um, kind of access it in a more applicable way. Like, okay, how does this apply to family? How does this apply to relationships? Things like that. Um, what else is coming through? I love a good metaphysical text, like the holographic universe, which helps us understand the brilliant nature of the simulation in which we are all living right now. And I'm just going to drop in anything else. I really, I love Walt Whitman. Mm. He was such a possibility creator. You know, I love just to Google Walt Whitman quotes and just receive his, mm. his medicine of his imagination and, and other imagination fuelers for me are, I mean, I love Harry Potter. I'm of the Harry Potter generation. Totally. Um, so and like good. giving yourself the gift of an immersion in a story that feels believable and exciting and expanding your imagination in that way. And I love Octavia Butler for that reason as well. Cause she was all about like, how do we radically reimagine the future of humanity, mm-hmm. like social justice, science fiction, that you don't even realize is doing that to you.
1: Wow. Harry
2: Potter's the best. Harry Potter
1: is <laughs> the, the best. best. It's the best movies too. Justin and I watch it still.
0: When I work with my clients, actually, I often will do like a, we, we kind of have to like sync on metaphors. It's like, okay, can I reference this movie, that movie? And I'm always like, we can work together if you're not a Harry Potter person, but... I'm going to have to really draw from (laughs) the back burner there.
1: (laughs) We just watched Lord of the Rings again. I love Lord of the Rings. So fucking good. We're huge losers. But it was like, okay, what I love about Harry Potter as the last thing was I got a break every once in a while. Mm. And we were having fun. And we were making magic and doing all these things. Like Lord of the Rings, there was no fucking break. I was like, I'm stressed out the entire time. There's a battle, the, we're in a battle for nine yeah. hours.
0: And you get like one 30 second scene of like Viggo Mortensen and Liv Tyler kissing.
1: Yeah. But and they, then it's but,
0: like back to the battle.
1: Exactly. But, it, like, they <laughs> never, <laughs> but they never even like sink into it. Yeah. And how um, he, that guy, what's his name? Aragorn. Aragorn with the blonde.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> they,
1: they, like, <laughs> they didn't even talk. Yeah. Remember she like fell in love with him and they There's probably like a- said one word. <laughs> Literally like he was like nodded at her and she was like
0: in love. 100%. I love, I love those movies too though because they're such a good metaphor for like the path, right? Aragorn is, an, I work a lot with archetypal energy. It's, mm. it's like, be your best self. It's like, who is that? I want to be like Aragorn. You know, I want to be like Harry Potter or Dumbledore or whatever it is and his like commitment and Frodo's commitment. Yeah. And also Sam.
1: Sam, I mean, come on. Sam, you need to Sam, say Sam, Sam is Sam. like the OG Sam's optimist. actually the number
0: one of the whole series. Yeah, he's like, no Frodo. No. Like if you, if you don't believe that social change is possible... Watch Lord of the Rings and watch how Sam goes through his journey. And everybody, Frodo's like, I'm never going back to the Shire. Like, I'm never going to go back to my home. Like, I'm going to die here. We're not going to complete our mission. And Sam's like, what now? Yeah. We're going back.
3: That's not true, Mr. Frodo.
1: He's like, we're going back to the Shire, Mr. Frodo. Like, Sam was really number one the entire time. He
0: visioned it into existence. Yeah. Spoiler alert.
1: You
2: guys, yeah. this is triggering a, me from like recess when I didn't know what was going on. This is like conversation between A and B and I'm going to see my way I'm out the, of I'm it. i yeah. If you
1: I love have 10 it, hours this week, feel free to dive in. I probably right in. will. Feel free to dive
2: in. Um, uh, last question from me. You mentioned like uh, the idea of possibility story before. I just wanted to know if you have one today. doesn't have to be... Mm forever and ever but
0: yeah I'm just gonna drop in to allowing people to feel into right now how would it feel like to wake up in a world where everything that you kind of hope is maybe possible is happening right you wake up and you look out the window and you just feel good about being here, you feel that like sunshiny openness that you feel like the morning after something really good happens, or you fall in love and you walk down the street and you see people and you're just stoked to see them. Like you're stoked to see your best friend or you don't feel anyone grabbing energetically at you and you're not either. You're just gliding, but you also feel connected. You hear people telling stories about what's going on in the world. And it's like, damn, can you believe that we cleaned up the oceans? Can you believe that like we used to talk so much about identity, but we actually dealt with it, right? And so I can just see you now and I don't even have to think about Mm. all that stuff that went down, although we know it's possible and we know that it it did happen. And just letting yourself breathe into that sensation of not only have I quote unquote manifested the money, the partner, the house, the life that I want, but we all co-created something that we're so proud of that we just feel so good about like, this is who we really are because that's why it's felt so awful. Cause it's not who we are to feel so separate. Right. And that we, and you can look at it and it's not just that you did it on your own, but like, wow, we did this together. Right. It just feels easier to be here now. And I can't wait to see what people are creating.
3: Wow.
1: That's it. y'all. That's it. Where can people connect with you?
0: Aaron X Rose is my Instagram. That's where the daily content happens. And it's just also Aaron, A-A-R-O-N X Rose.com um, is my website and forward slash tools. will bring you to the, the page where there are different things that you can use to, to guide you on this process, whether it's bringing a little bit more hope into your life or getting clearer on your path and your purpose, all that good stuff.
1: Amazing. Thank you. This is such a
0: good one. Thank,
1: Thank you. you so much. Thank you. This is, this is, this is flying high. We love you guys. Love you. Very much. We will see you on the next one. Goodbye. Bye.
2: The best. One of our favorites. Thank you so much, Erin. And we're just really excited to continue working with yeah. you. It's, it feels really, really right. We really, were 10 really minutes good. into
1: our last session and I was like... I'll do a hundred more. A hundred more? I was like, I'll do a hundred more. I've never been so seen. (laughs) So definitely connect with Aaron. He is someone to watch. Mm -hmm. I couldn't recommend him more.
2: Yeah, AaronXRose.com and AaronXRose on Instagram. Thank you all so much for listening. We are on tour currently. So check out our tour dates at almost30podcast.com slash tour. We'd love to see you and meet you. And if you're curious and have not met women in your city or area, see if there's an ambassador in your city. You can do so by going into the secret Facebook group and checking out the subgroups. And if you don't have an ambassador near you, and maybe you'd like to become one, you can reach out to community at almost30podcast.com.
1: Yeah, we would love to support you in whatever journey or transition you are on with our ambassador program or however else we can. Yeah, all right, we love you. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you next time. See you soon, bye. Bye Bye-bye.